0: We are back. So I have a question for all of you listeners. Would you love to know how to generate a steady stream of leads, both buyer and seller uh, leads, that require no money, frankly low to no skill if we're being completely honest, mm-hmm. and doing this lead generation will be something you look forward to doing. It actually brings you pleasure because there's zero risk of rejection and zero risk of anything that resembles failure. Did I sell
1: it? Do you mean conflict-free? Uh, free, free, <laughs> and uh, stress-free lead generation. I like how that sounds.
0: Exactly. And there's only really one form of lead generation that's like that in all of real estate where you don't have to buy the lead, by the way, and that is working with your centers of influence and past clients. One of the things that we teach you to do, well, really the primary source of lead generation we teach you to do when you join our coaching program, Premier Coaching, and also when you buy our book and all the others, uh, you know, really the things we've taught you guys how to do over the last couple of decades, the primary thing that we want all of you to do is your Center of Influence and Past Client list. Why? For all the reasons I just stated. Does not require a high skill set, does not require, frankly, a lot of time. It's something that virtually everyone loves doing, and it's something that all of you can do, and it doesn't, most importantly, cost you anything, and there's no referral fees associated with it. And this is the very thing we should have added to it, that if you, over the over the years, if you don't do correctly from day one, you'll regret not having done it correctly from day one. Why? Because Centers of Influence and Past Clients Are the number one source of business for any agent that's been in the business for say, well, I shouldn't say duration of time, number of transactions. Mm -hmm. After you've done enough deals, you're going to start discovering that, you know, easily 50% of your leads come from centers of influence and past clients. I'll give you guys a personal example. Um, Julie and I sold real estate. We sold real estate at a high level. Our first year in the business in our early 20s, we sold over 100 homes. This is a well-documented success. From what I understand, it had never been done before and hasn't been done since. And we did the same thing, 100 to 200 homes uh, for almost 10 years. And then we got full-time into coaching. But here's the thing to think about. What we discovered when we started selling real estate, um, in our first year in the business when we sold over 100 homes with pendings, it was 103 uh, transactions, was all of our business was coming from proactive lead generation because Julie and I were young. We didn't have a center of influence that we're going to be buying and selling real estate. So all of our business had to come from proactive lead generation from, you know, all the things we teach you how to do in, in uh, premier coaching after a while, what we discovered now we're, there were some things that we were interested in on a personal basis, but frankly, we were working all the time and we didn't have a lot of time to spend doing other things. But after a while, what happened was, and it wasn't that long, three years. So after three years, let's say we'd done 300 deals. It was more than that, but let's just use that as a nice round number. We started receiving a steady stream of business. So one of the things that Julie and I always did from day one and we teach you how to do this again in premier coaching is be really really clear about the source of the business like for example it's very easy to fool yourself into thinking like someone messages you right now through instagram and say hey bob i'm interested in selling my house come out and give me a call and you will then in your mind if you you know, frankly, haven't done the work think that Instagram was the source of the lead. But the reality of it was, is that was that person actually was searching for your contact information because their neighbor who had done a transaction with you or knew you from some other reason was the referring source. But if you don't really drill down, you will not discover the true source of the business. You'll just, in your mind, assume it came from social media. By the way, that is true with basically all of you guys who think you're getting leads from social media. I would say at least 50 to 60% of the leads that you attribute to social media are coming from other sources like I just uh, described to you guys. And by the way, we discovered that on the job as well. But here's here's again where all this goes. You will then start discovering, after you've done, let's say your first you know, three years, let's say you do a total of 50 transactions, or maybe it's a hundred. If you've actually worked your center of influence and past client list consistently, you will do an average out of the total group of your list, 10% of those people. That's the rule of thumb. But in some markets we've seen it much, much higher, but let's just use 10%. So if you have a hundred people in your center of influence and past client list, you're going to do at least 10 transactions. Now let's be very clear. Those 100 people do not have to be past clients. And I'll give you, again, continuing with this example. I remember this very clearly. Julie and I, again, build our business based on proactively generation. We then started, as we teach you to do in Premier Coaching, we then started supplementing with uh, really passively generation, which is more marketing. So we always did both. Um, now, Julie is a musician. Julie was involved in the Columbus Symphony Orchestra. Julie would go to practices for the Columbus Symphony Orchestra um, in all those types of things. And then we started to discover, sure enough, Julie was starting to get lots of referrals from from all of her bandmates. And those referrals were sending us referrals, sending us referrals. And it was probably our fourth year in real estate, maybe our fifth year. And it was about halfway through the year. And our dry erase board, just like we teach these guys to use, mm-hmm. where we marked the original source of the business. Right. I remember looking at all of our closed transactions, actually specifically on the listing side. And something like thirty or forty percent of all of our closed transactions at that point, let's call it fifty or sixty deals, mm-hmm. had come directly from your band-related referrals.
1: Yes, either they themselves or they had referred somebody that they knew to us, and that's how it, that is absolutely how it goes. And I have to say, especially our most successful coaching clients, it's way more than ten percent when you do this, For right? Sure. But the key is it's not enough, and I think this is where agents and brokers um, get mixed up a little bit it's not enough to just have the list. And you know, that's a challenge in itself is to have a nice polished list with good contact information. You have to actually systematically expand your list so it's always growing, but also really communicate with them. And I don't mean just text and haunting them on social media. I mean, face-to-face, voice-to-voice, event-to-event, support them in what they're doing, all of that kind of thing.
0: Let's talk about this in a second, but I am actually trying to tune our our communication here, Julie, to the agent out there who has not done a lot of transactions or any sure. transactions at all mm-hmm. and listening to what we're saying. And they're starting to tune us out because they're thinking, well, I don't have enough past clients to really make for a hill mm-hmm. of beans. We're not just saying past clients. It's the centers of influence and then past clients. You're listening to what we're saying.
1: So let's define that a little bit better.
0: Julie's people were her centers of influence. They were not her past clients. We had past clients, but we had a heck of a lot bigger, uh, you know, obviously center of influence over time. And again, we teach you how to do this in premier coaching. But for example, they would be people, you know, from church. They'd be your neighbors, your old neighbors. They would be, you know, if you have children, you know, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to be social, you know, because the kids are going to have friends. You're going to have the kids, old teachers, the new teachers. You're going to have the guy that you trust that cuts your grass. You're going to have all these different people. All of those people and more. And at Premier Coaching Clients, there's a great memory jogger list. I forget what level and premier is part of, but you can kind of just – I think it's actually in level one. It's also
1: in the back of the treasure map.
0: Yeah, it's on the tre- – right what they get in level one. Mm. And it goes through it's this long list. I don't even know how many you know memory jogger suggestions. There are hundreds. And you can go down there and you can kind of use this as a checklist to make sure that you're not leaving anybody off your list. Really, the rule of thumb is anybody that would visually recognize you, even if you don't know their name or they don't know your name, work on getting their information. That should be on your center of influence list because you see them on a regular basis. Um, there was a Starbucks as there is you know, near our house as there is near everyone's <laughs> house nowadays, it seems. And there was this gal there was the manager of Starbucks. Her name was Tristan. And Julie and I would walk in there every single morning. And there was always a long line, even the winter, going out of, you know, into the cold, out of the Starbucks, people waiting in line for coffee. Evidently in New Albany, Ohio, you couldn't make coffee at home. I don't know what no. the deal with that was. <laughs> but when Tristan would see us online, she would always say, hi, Tim and Julie, what's going on at the real estate market? Why am I telling you that? Tristan was a past client who we sold a condo to, and she then would help us expand our center of influence a past client list every single morning as we were standing in line. She would help us trigger the conversation to talk about real estate. She did that completely on her own. So do not just limit your belief that you cannot have this as a very powerful, if not the most powerful evergreen spoke in your lead generation, uh, in on your lead generation wheel. If you if you're new in the business, if or if maybe you haven't done a lot have transactions you don't have a big center of influence list still do this if you're new in an area julie's going to give you some ideas on how to expand the list that way but do not limit your potential to have a very strong uh business just based you know your primary spoke being centers of influence past clients now i'm going to give you the flip side to it those of you who have only center of influence and past client business and that's completely and totally your only source of business. You're, uh, you, Frankly, you're very vulnerable because what happens unless you, as Julie just alluded to, unless you're constantly updating, upgrading, and replacing the people in your list, that list is essentially eventually going to be saturated and you're going to be out of business. So you cannot, there's no point where your center of influence and past client list is done. It's one of those things you have to do every single day. Like hopefully most of you know, brushing your teeth is an example.
1: Hopefully, yes. <laughs> but it is something that you have to ongoing... Uh, have a nurturing and, and, you know, polishing that up and making sure it grows. So at the top of the podcast, you said, you know, this is a lead generation thing that doesn't cost you any money. I would, I would suggest that not doing it, that's the cost to you. Oh, for sure is ignoring this and waiting too long. And and you'll hear this not just from us, your podcast coaches, future coaches, you know, premier coaches, uh, but also from a lot of your grizzled veteran friends when you ask them what they would have done differently. Pretty much to a person, they say, I would have been better at this earlier on in my career. We
0: were good at it, but I can say for sure when we sold real estate, we could have been better at it.
1: Absolutely, 1,000% agree. Well,
0: So what we're going to do is we're going to give you some ideas on how to really expand your list or get your list started or take it to the next level. We might sprinkle in some scripts and whatnot to say. But here's what I want you to take away. Really, the big takeaway is just do it. Don't overthinking. Don't think it's hard. Some of you are going to think uh, have all these sort of psychological mooring lines that are going to prevent you from actually proactively working your center of influence and past client list or even starting to form one. Set those ego limitation, limiting beliefs about you Uh, about your potential aside no one is going to think here let me I'll just I'll frame this out for you a lot of you won't do what we're asking you to do because you're fearful of how your ego is telling you you'll be perceived in a negative way what am I talking about we want you to directly proactively call your centers of influence and past clients we want you to have conversations that are not salesy that you will be comfortable having, that's delivering something of value that they'll look forward to receiving and you'll look forward to delivering. That's what we teach you in Premier Coaching. Those are our centers of influence and past client scripts. And yet some of you are actually gonna tell yourselves that I don't wanna be calling my centers of influence and past clients because I don't want them to, and you have a litany of excuses. Perceive I'm desperate. I don't want to look like I'm some sort of pushy salesman. I don't want them to think the only reason I have them as a friend is because of the fact that I'm trying to milk them for real estate leads. And you're going to come up with your own list of Mickey Mouse as to why you're not willing to do the work. Now I'm going to hopefully with what I'm about to tell you reframe actually how they do perceive you if you don't proactively contact them using our scripts delivering something of value. They, okay, so just open your mind to what I'm about to say listeners. So if you have Uh, you know, a natural center of influence because all of you do. Neighbors, old neighbors, new neighbors. They all, let's assume, hopefully they all know you're in real estate. If you're not asking them for business, you tell me what they actually think about you. So they know you're in real estate and yet you're not asking them uh, for their referrals. I'll go back to that line at Starbucks to make my point. Uh, There was always either ahead of or, uh, you know, uh, behind us, um, usually a father and son who owned a local what was it? State Farm?
1: I think it was a State
0: Farm. State Farm Insurance Agency. And those are, you know, commissions-based jobs. They were residential. They were not commercial. They were. They knew, uh, because they saw our signs, that Julie and I sold a lot of real estate in New Albany.
1: And because Tristan always says, how's real estate when we walk in the door? Completely. And these guys were always ahead of us or behind us. And we tripped over them
0: every day. Um, you guys get the point. They never once, and the whole time we lived at New Albany, never once had any brought up anything to do with, uh, you know, essentially working with us and and us sending them referrals, which we had happily done. Now, we didn't have a need to talk to them because we had other people we were sending our insurance leads to. But had they contacted us, we would have sent our insurance leads to them. Now, here's the strange thing that happened. While over the time, time that passed, okay, there they were, they were not asking us, we'd see them every morning, we're certainly polite to them, the whole thing. And they applied to us, but never once did they initiate any kind of conversation that would have led to them potentially making money. For the first while, like, let's just break this up to oversimplify it. So for the first year, that would happen. We didn't really think anything of it. We didn't really overanalyze it. We didn't worry about whether they weren't, uh, you know, what it just was what it was. Here they are in line. They are not bringing it up with us. You know, maybe they don't know we're in real estate. Who knows what's going on in their lives? Then after time, maybe it wasn't a year, but then what happened is, well, they must not, and this is all subconscious, and and I frankly didn't realize these were our thoughts about them until years after we stopped selling real estate, and I was trying to help someone convince somebody, like I am trying to convince all of you guys to actually do the work, because I started thinking about this, ex- this real-life example. Then after a while, I started to create a story as to why they weren't actually asking us for business. And the excuses that I created, the reasoning I created, all subconsciously, was they didn't like us, they didn't want to do business with us. Then it even got worse. They were lazy, too busy. Too busy. They see what I did is my mind was creating stories as to why they weren't asking us for business. It made no sense that they weren't asking us for business, or at least bringing up the opportunity, having an insurance-related question. You know, I saw you help you know Bob and Sue move into the neighborhood. You know, I, you know, they are, we ran to them at the country club or whatever, and you know, whatever, whatever, great people. Thanks for bringing great people in. All they would have had to do is some conversation like that. They some never. Some kind
1: of question, like, are your clients dealing with the hail damage okay? Do you have any questions about how to deal with that? Where to direct them? Any questions related? See, you guys overthink it, that it's got to be some overly complicated, you know, mishmash of scripts. Keep on topic. You know, it's even worse with real estate agents because what people think, if you don't talk about being in real estate, they think that you don't sell their price range. They think you're not licensed anymore. They think you're part-time. They think you're too busy. Any number of things you do that you don't like them.
0: Well, that's where it starts, and then it gets worse. Then it yeah. makes it. Then they. Then your mind starts making it into a personal reasons. Well, the like, longer
1: you wait, the worse the long, it gets.
0: Exactly. The longer you wait. Well, they don't like me now. Some of the people are listening and saying, "Oh, I've never asked my centers of influence and in past clients for business." They're not like keeping track of when the last no. time they heard from you. This was something that was in our faces every day because we saw them every day in line at Starbucks. But it is a very salient example to make the point. So their job was to ask us for business. Our job would have been to give, us, uh, give them business. They didn't. We didn't. Then our brain started creating these really false stories as far as why they didn't. The reality of it is they didn't because they were fearful that we would reject them. I'm sure. They were fearful that we had other relationships. Why the hell would we want to use them? They had created stories of their own, mm-hmm. but were all ego-based. They didn't want to maybe be perceived as being salespeople, but the reality of it was is we were perceiving them and over time in negative ways subconsciously, so then when we saw them, it was a little grating it's because we figured out what's the disconnect here. It was weird, and when you have a center of influence and in past client, when your neighbors are around you and you see the same people every Sunday at church or whatever— And you're not bringing up something of value to them that might lead back to a real estate conversation, they're going to start thinking ill of you as well. And that is really, and if you're just gonna mail them tchotchkes and pumpkin pies and calendars and forget me not seeds, it doesn't really move the conversation down the road like making an actual contact. All of our scripts are designed to deliver overwhelming value to the person you're calling and trying to help. And that's the key element. Everything we teach you to do is questions-based, but it's all designed to help the person that you're, you know, in this case, proactively generating to or calling. Open your mind to the reality that everything you want is on the other side of helping people. If you want more, you have to help more people. If more people, there always are more people to help, especially in a market like this. By the way, a lot of you are ready to join Premier Coaching. We made it very easy for you because you can join Premier Coaching for free. Text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. And yes, uh, that does include a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our new member coaches so just text the word premier to 47372 and when you do you're going to get everything we talk about as as far as what's included in the first level of premier coaching there is absolutely no obligation you can join uh, for free right now it takes about 20 seconds to join if you want to go to the website directly you can do that as well just go to members.timandjulieharris.com members.timandjulieharris.com remember when texting message and data rates may apply
1: So I think we can all agree that your next lead, uh, whether it's buyer or seller, should come from your past clients and your centers of influence. And we can all agree that probably many of you should stop being weird about talking about real estate, as Tim just illustrated, to people who already know, love, and trust you. So remember when you do speak with your database, past clients, people in your sphere, systematically and consistently, you'll find that at least 10% or more will do business with you or refer business to you year after year. So remember, 10% of 100 is 10 easy deals. 10% of 300 is 30 easy deals. So it makes sense to grow your list.
0: Julie said this at the top of today's session. Uh, You can't just speak to them once. You have to speak to them every single month. And some people are like, well, is it 8 and 8, 24 and 26? Or how often (laughs) frequently should I be calling? How many mails? How many calls? Forget all that added analytical ridiculousness. Just call them every single month on the same exact day, ideally at the same exact time because you know they're going to answer the phone. Your goal is not to leave messages for them. Your goal is to actually have a conversation with them. And we tell you what to say every time you call. And I assure you, using our scripts, they're going to welcome your call because you're making them feel good every time you call. You're not just giving them droll information or overtly pounding them, asking them for business. You're not calling up and saying, this is a business call. You know, I'm looking for leads. It's not like that. You're giving them a friendly, uh, an honest to gosh, uh, optimistic call, making them feel great. They're going to look forward when they see your number on their caller ID.
1: So how do you actually grow your center of influence, your past client, your database, as you call that, in a systematic way? So we talked about face-to-face, voice-to-voice you know, regularly scheduled calls. You can also take what we call the three by four challenge in coaching, three meetups per week for four weeks. And this is a great time of year to do it. You can use meetup.com to find what interests you have or re-engage in the things you used to do or know you enjoy to meet more people. So be yourself first, be yourself talking about real estate second, use our scripts that you get in premier coaching. But there are three specific categories. So take notes on this. Here is how you systematically expand your center of influence so that that 10% of your business that you get from your list grows along with that. And I put this number one for a reason. Point A, do things that you like to do anyway. Do more of them. For example, hobbies, sports, arts, organized exercise programs like Orange Theory, Zumba, or CrossFit, why did I put things you like to do anyway first? Because you're more likely to do them week in and week out and do them systematically and repetitively.
0: I'm going to throw something in under A, too. So depending on what time of year it is, there's always things you can do, assuming you're in a family-type community, people with you know kids and whatnot, or even, frankly, dogs. Uh, you can have something where, let's say it's around Christmas, have people come over to wherever the location's going to be and have pictures taken with Santa, so you're going to provide a Santa. You're going to provide a you know festive type environment. You know, I can see a, a big red velvet chair and the whole thing. Presents all the way around. You're going to have somebody maybe giving away balloons. You're going to have it. So people are going to stand in line. There's a photographer that's going to take a picture with the screaming ungrateful kid on Santa's lap. <laughs> True. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's ways. Th- this is actually our, our D bonus point. But there, there are ways for you to do this where you maybe don't create the entire event so i'll give you an example we talked about john walkenshaw the other day he he's really blown this up he goes to an actual christmas tree farm he has it basically catered it's tied to a charitable event he has like three or four hundred people show up. He does the, the pictures, the holiday photos, all of this kind of thing. I think they have some giveaways. And this is his yearly past client appreciation party.
0: We saw an agent here, a broker, that was doing a pumpkin chunkin thing Yeah. that basically we're still in North Carolina, that essentially a pumpkin chunkin thing. Well, you describe it because you wanted to go. I, yeah,
1: well, I mean, what do you do with pumpkins at the end of the season? Well, I guess you throw them and wing them at things. And this is the thing. And he,
0: he was he, catapulting them.
1: Catapulting. I, I've also seen versions. Agents have done this in conjunction with zoos. Get this. This is crazy. So like those giant pumpkins, they do the, you know, throw the pumpkin or they'll donate them to the elephant yeah. b- display, I guess. And the elephants will stomp on them. And they, I guess elephants love to play with pumpkins. But you do that in conjunction with meeting. You could even do like your top 20 past clients. It doesn't have to be Two or 300 people, the point is stop being a secret agent and you will find that you'll get a lot more repeat and referral and you will naturally expand that center of influence database.
0: We're talking about the things you can do after you get some flow with your center of influence Mm -hmm. and past client. You don't have to start out by doing events. Events are fun, but really all you have to do to have a huge impact, frankly even more of an uh, impact than an event is to call them and bring something of value and do that when you say you're going to do it.
1: Which is also free, by the way.
0: Exactly. So if you're just thinking, well, I don't want to be spending any money or I don't want to organize anything or I'm allergic to pumpkins or whatever the heck it is, <laughs> that's fine. Just make the phone call, use the scripts. And then over time, you're then going to think, well, now that I have a huge center of influence and in past client list, I'm getting all this great business from them, what can I do? Maybe you're going to start running out a movie theater around Christmas or whatever, and you're going to start doing, uh, you know, basically whatever the family feels good movie is that particular year, they can watch it for free. Maybe you're going to do Meet the Easter Bunny and you're going to do something where you guys get the well, idea. Well, we do have
1: a 12-month plan of things that they can do. Not that we want you to have to do something every single month, but there is a... List this is your 12-month center of influence action plan that you get in coaching so that you look and you go, okay, well, what could I do in March or April? What are some ideas that I can uh, implement either myself or attaching to someone else?
0: But really in an economy like this, if you're wanting to know really what the bottom line is, just make the stinking call. When you make the call, that matters more than giving them a pumpkin pie 1,000%. So if you're wanting to know where you can not spend money, stop spending money on the tchotchkes and the giveaways that cost you a lot of money. Take a lot of your time and ask yourself, really, why are you dropping the forget-me-not seeds off in April and all mailing them all and going through all the hassle on time? Why don't you just make a call and have a conversation because won't that ultimately lead you directly to the result that you're after? Faster you're, and more efficiently. Won't that, sure. Doesn't that make sense? And here's the, again, I want you to consider this. In pretty much every market, your center of influence and in past client is not exclusively yours. So we've had coaching clients. Mm-hmm. There was a hilarious story. You tell it about the pumpkin pies and the raccoons.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, so some of you guys, and this always cracks me up when you do the door knocking with the keys, and you like do the drop and run versus having the conversation. So in other uh, words
0: you don't wait for the door to open you right. just leave the chotchkie on the door then and you leave the best, right? right so
1: this, in this case this was pumpkin pies around of course thanksgiving and the agent had left the pie on the front porch right for their center
0: of influence and past client not
1: just randomly it was right. you know somebody they knew a nice little card or what have you well thinking that they had done a nice thing they were surprised the next day when they got an irate phone call from that person who had, uh, you know, laced a very elaborate story about the raccoon party that had happened on their front porch. There was pumpkin pie everywhere. <laughs> they had trashed the pumpkin pie tin And in fact, this was a giant mess to clean up.
0: The only thing that left was the name of the agent on the tag that was basically sort of just sitting there. Written written
1: with a a palm print from the The, the raccoons. Raccoons
0: were saying, thank you. But there's another story too. I don't remember who this was. That they were dropping off a pumpkin pie. Okay, that sounds good so far. They knocked on the door. Okay, we're there. They're going to actually have a conversation. They opened the door and then to hand, you know, They had a nice little thing they were going to say. And then sure enough, sitting right there, you guessed it, listeners, were like six other pumpkin pies delivered by all these other agents that were following the same rather, you know, let's call it not even close to novel center of influence and past client system of dropping off these constant tchotchkes. So not only, I mean, that had to, imagine how you feel in that situation, but that is what's happening in the marketplace right now. So you think you're doing something novel by giving them some sort of You know, Chotsky, I mean, we bought that ranch from um, the agent in Georgetown. And evidently, she <laughs> they reengaged, th- the and she was dropping off all this junk at her door. And I emailed her nicely and told her to save her money. That we don't need anything. And if we, you know, we no more calendars or magnets or any of this, you know, oven mitts or you know, can openers but or you know what,
1: a free CMA would have been really awesome. <laughs> well, you know that kind of thing. You could something of value does not have to be something you purchased.
0: Don't be such wimps. Don't think that giving them something is going to somehow obligate them to want to call you make the phone call and deliver something of value and the thing of value that we're going to ask that we give you uh, to say is going to make them feel good a hell of a lot better than a rain gauge
1: exactly so remember category a things you like to do anyway expand who you know and who knows you and get them into that database so that you can speak with more people more regularly Category B is business well, network. Give them
0: some more examples, right? Well, Hob- you said this yeah. before, but hobbies, sports, arts, organized exercise programs like Orange Theory, which Orange Theory and others that are like that are phenomenal. Zumba,
1: CrossFit, all of those types of things. It could even be an organized hike at yep. the, you know, you guys all have uh, parks all over your cities and there's organized hikers. And uh, one of my clients is doing a pickleball. Pickleball has become huge. You know, the, the point here, this was so funny. I had a coaching client once We were working on this. I said, well, what, what are the things that you like to do trying to get him to get out and be more social and more people? And his two things were riding his motorcycle and skydiving. Okay, so <laughs> the thing is that he's not around a lot of people doing those things, no. right? So the idea, you know, the whole point of this is to get you to know more people that way. So sometimes when we say, well, Orange Theory, Zumba, or CrossFit, you're like... Well, I go on a walk every morning. Well, that's fine if you're talking to your, all of your neighbors, but it's also a lot better when you're talking to more people more go, frequently. Go
0: you and your 15-minute walk. But the thing like Orange Theory is an example. We talked. About, we haven't talked about Orange Theory forever because we don't go anymore because we don't live in places where they exist. But Orange Theory, and Julie mentioned some others, the nice thing about Orange Theory is that if you go, let's say, for example, you sign up for their unlimited thing where it makes it so you can go every day, uh, you should go every day, but change the times. So like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, go at you know 10 a.m., Tuesday and Thursday go at, you know, 6 p.m. or 4 PM, whatever. And then start to overtly have conversations with people and make friends because there's something that happens with the release of dopamine and the rest of it that when you've done a strenuous workout, people naturally bond. And if you go to if you start seeing the same people three times a week at the same exact time, you will be shocked how fast you make a really, really deep friendships with these people. It's
1: called mutual suffering. It's the same thing that happened in the, with my music people because we're all learning stuff together and being tortured by whoever was conducting us and our private teachers and all that. So when you have a a shared experience regularly, your friendships do tend to be deeper. And we are still friends with a lot of people from Orange City and Georgetown. Yep. So that's the point is it, it's not that we want you doing something. It's that you should be doing something around other people.
0: But again, this is if you don't have a big, robust past client list. Some of you do. Or even in addition to. But these are great things that you should be doing anyway because more human interaction that you have, the happier you are. Um, even though if you're a motorcycle skydiving. <laughs> now, by the way, the answer would have been done both at the same time. At the same time, a challenge. Exactly. I know.
1: Okay, so the next one is, is Category B. Business networking for the sake of networking. BNI, which is Business Network International, is pretty much everywhere. There's different divisions of that. Your Chamber of Commerce, so you can be around other business owners. Toastmasters has been great for a lot of you because it forces you to speak. Entrepreneurs clubs, investor clubs, neighborhood associations like your own homeowners association. You don't have to be the president or the treasurer of your HOA. I kind of don't recommend that because that's real work added to your daily schedule. And
0: let's be honest, you're going to make some real enemies if you you because yeah. you're never going to side on ever. You're never no. going to be on everyone's side.
1: No, but you can go. You can participate. You can yeah. get to know your neighbors. Get to know the president. You know, network your way into that. So really, the point to all of this is to think about your centers of influence as having different rungs to it. So if I'm friends with you and you're friends with people that are really into cars, but I'm not really into cars, I now have access to people that you know through you who I wouldn't normally have. Well,
0: this isn't business networking necessarily. It's kind of, you know, well, I mean, it depends how you use it. But if you have kids, and I was joking about this, but it's so true. Julie and I are naturally introverts, but our daughter absolutely is not. So we've been, uh, I mean, I say this with air quotes, but I mean, it is the right word to use, been forced to make so many more friends Absolutely. that frankly we never would have before because we are meeting these people at the same time at every single practice or whatever a little girl showdown get happens together, to be happening. Exactly. School stuff and plays. Totally. And gymnastics and, and you know everything. skydiving and whatever else. Yeah those of you who have multiple
1: kids really have no excuse but to be talking about real estate all the time. And you don't have to be weird about it. You don't have to get in somebody's face and say when do you plan on moving. No. You can just talk about real estate. Be yourself first. They need to like you first and then make sure you're talking about real estate. So the category C, your third category, is charitable events. Auctions, food drives, toy drives, fundraisers, school charities, church charities, functions organized by people in your database, support them. You don't have to create the event, but you can instead support the events of other people. That's fine. When somebody's doing a toy drive, or maybe your your city or your town's doing a big toy drive, make sure you're supporting that. Advertise it. That's something you can do on your social media to attract more of your past clients, centers of influence. Talk about it all the time. You know, I was just talking about John Walkinshaw and his Christmas tree event. He calls personally all of his database within two or three weeks, because it takes a while to get through all of them, and personally invites them. I think that's one of the reasons he has such a great turnout. He's not just posting on social media. He's not just emailing them. He is also personally inviting them.
0: If you have more time than money right now, or if you're not necessarily wanting to put yourself in a position where you have to pay for things, it's actually, in. A, this is strange, but it's true. Sometimes donating money to charities, if your goal is to make contacts, frankly, and and maybe get real estate business, if you just give money, but you don't give your time and don't make the relationships, you get zero benefit. There are a lot of you that are sponsoring little leagues, teams, and this is and the other things. So you pay for the shirts and you maybe pay for pizza every time they win, but you never show up and you don't get the parents uh, meet the parents. You're never going to get any business from that. I don't care how many billboards you took out to basically try to brand yourself. It doesn't matter. I mean, you might pick up something from the coach he's appreciative, right? But beyond that, you're really going to have to go there. And this is the reason that we suggest, ultimately, if you do things that you love or have passion for or are interested in, you guys get the point. And you already have a huge connection to that person. I remember Rob Johnson in Greenwich, Connecticut, who is, I think, the number one realtor uh, uh, realtor in Greenwich still. his When we started coaching him, you and I both coached him individually, One of his big criteria was he's never going to really do any proactively generation. He just essentially wants to do standards of influence on past clients. He could get away with it. Why? Because his average sale price is like 5 or $6 million. Mm -hmm. And they get full boat up there as far as commission goes. So he could just sell what he's wanted to sell per year and do just fine. Yes. Because the numbers worked for him. Nothing bad will happen to him. Exactly. So what was the question we had for him? Well, what is it that you love to do? What is it that you're not doing? What can you spend more time doing? And we made a list and he started doing all of it. Sure enough, he started getting business from it. And he ended every conversation with a really lightweight script that we, that I originally created just for him, but it really worked. As like, maybe he would be at a cigar smoking club or maybe he'd be at a shooting thing. You know, some place where you know, aristocratic, you know, Greenwich types will go and have shotgun clubs and all these other types of things that I have no idea what I'm talking about, but he did do it, right? Or there will be the riding club, or maybe it's motorcycles, or maybe it's sky, whatever it is, that every time he'd have a conversation with anybody, just hanging out, asking them about just, you know, again, it's a shared passion thing. By the way, who do you know who's thinking about uh, buying or selling real estate that I should be helping in this market? Or he'd say, who are the two or three people you know who are thinking about selling that I should be helping in this market? And after not too long period of time, he started getting a steady stream of business, but what was really miraculous is he started and he also was doing similar networking with the top agents. So he was going to, for example, he found out who the top agents were. Now he's in Greenwich, right? Greenwich and Manhattan share a lot of uh, the same clients. Someone would move from Greenwich to back to Manhattan. Someone from Manhattan would move out to Greenwich. Greenwich is basically a bedroom community to Manhattan. So someone wanted to have a family, wanted to have their own yard. You guys get the idea. Well, he then found out who the top listing agents were in Manhattan. And then he went there, met with them, had lunch with them. And then they started sending him a lot of referrals. And so he had, to Julie's uh, point B there, that was how he was business networking. And he started getting a steady stream of business that way. Um, and he started sending business back the other direction too, from uh, Greenwich back to Manhattan. You guys get the idea? But he never had to be a proactive lead generator because he was willing to do the work of building a center of influence and in past clients. Now, again, the two downsides of doing it this way is you can't control uh, when you're going to get a lead from your center of influence and in past client list. We can tell you for every 100 people you're going to get 10 transactions, but we cannot guarantee it because, frankly, those people are also getting solicited by other agents. We can't guarantee you whether you happen to live in a town like, you know, maybe people never move or the average homeowner stays in a house for five or seven years. Well, you happen to be in a community where they stay in the average. The average homeowner keeps their house for 30 years. You, who knows? Right. That's the problem. Ultimately, centers of influence and in past clients. You cannot predictably. A create business when you choose to, which you can if you learn how to do the other spokes that we teach you after you've put this one in place.
1: But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do this. No, this no, This is you your should foundational spoke that is ongoing all the time. That's why we're talking about not just building your list and set it and forget it, but doing these three categories to grow the people who know you and who you know. That way it doesn't become stagnant. You know, the other thing that can happen is, especially with our older agents and agents that have been in business for a long time, they're clientele can almost like age out or just they're they're not moving up anymore and they're not ready to downsize yet. So their list kind of stagnates. I've also had clients that had like a certain, just a a certain type of clientele that were more, maybe more, we've just had this with the hot sellers market, really aspirationally minded, moving up all the time, upgrading, and then something happens, market slows down and it stagnates. So you've got to mix it up. One of the reasons that I have charitable events on there is everybody wants to raise their average sale price so go where there's a lot of philanthropy going on and be amongst people who are being charitable.
0: I can barely say that word, <clears throat> philanthropy. Did philanthropy. I say it right? Yes. No, I don't think I did. Now you have to spell it. No. <laughs> no th- but but the, the I'll, point I'll hit, is, though. I'll go to my <laughs> Ask Julie.
1: I know. So here's the thing. When you do all three of these categories, stuff you like to do anyway, those are people with common interests. Then you have business networking, so that's okay to open your mouth you know, sooner about selling real estate. And then you have charitable events. These are three different types of centers of influence that should keep everything really nice and fresh. But again, you have to do more of this than you think in order to get that 10% to begin with. And then as your list grows, it grows with you. So you can't just set it and forget it. You have to be very proactive about this. And, and it is one thing I would say looking back, or if, if you were to say, okay, no more coaching for you guys, go sell real estate. I would do maybe 10 times this stuff. And we, we were decent at it, but I would definitely do more.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially because if we were to go back and sell real estate, we would sell real estate in a very expensive area for sure. For sure. Um, and yeah, center of influence and past clients would be the number one spoke because in a very expensive area, because your average commission is going to be so high, you don't really have to have too many hits to basically win the game. That's right. But the other thing is, is if you're not in a very expensive area, then it would be centers of influence and past clients and expired listings.
1: Absolutely. You have to supplement. So the reason that we teach you the spokes in the wheel model, which we have mentioned on many uh, coaching, I'm sorry, podcasts, also in the real estate treasure map, when you join premier coaching is because there's not just one thing. Today, we talked about one thing, expansion of your past client center of influence database and getting more repeat and referral. That's great. You've got to systematize that and pursue that, but that cannot be your only thing that you do. This is just one of the most important things that you do.
0: Right, and this is just an overview of our center of influence past client system we teach you in Premier yep. Coaching. This is like
1: Tip of uh,
0: the iceberg. 5% really, yep. but really at the end of the day, guys, this is something all of you can do it costs you nothing. You'll enjoy doing it because you'll get a very positive result.
1: You can start today.
0: You can start today, right. There's not a big learning curve. You don't have to spend the next 10 years getting ready to get started. Uh, analytical types, I'm talking to you. <laughs> you don't have to have a fancy CRM. You know, you can even do this. Like, you just got your license today. You could start working on this list and get started on this today. You don't have to delay. And this will get you results. But really, from a psychological perspective, you're going to be having a certain number of direct, proactive, center of influence-based, uh, uh, you know, past client-based conversations, you're going to really start supercharging your own personal mindset because you're in action having real estate conversations. That's if you want to know where to have confidence, if you want to know how to actually have a powerful mindset no matter what the market's doing, it's you being in action helping other people solve their problem, which is whatever their real estate you know, buying and selling need is. That is a problem you're getting paid to solve. That is the mindset to have. And guys, listen, this is something that you will enjoy doing, and it's also something that you will be so grateful for having done, or years into the future, if you didn't do it, this will be your biggest regret. I promise you, we've heard that countless times. So guys, hopefully you've appreciated today's podcast, the next natural step for all of you, of course, is to join Premier Coaching. Text the word PREMIER to 47372, text the word PREMIER to 47372, or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. Have a fantastic day, and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow.